0: G'day, I'm Matt Pankhurst and this is Shining a Diamond Light.
1: Hello and welcome to Shining a Diamond Light. I'm Tim Geit.
2: And I'm Molly Fry. And today we're talking to Dr Matt Pankhurst, a volcanologist and geologist who's been to Diamond many times, working on new ways to look at, well, rocks.
1: Not just any rocks though. Matt's desire to understand how rocks are formed on Earth has led to him looking inside rocks formed in space, including some which were collected by the Apollo missions to the moon. That's right,
2: the moon. So this episode has lava, space, helicopters and lots and lots of rocks.
1: So Matt, can you just explain to us a little bit about what it is your research is trying to explain?
0: I co- well, last September... Um we had bits of the moon here, and they were collected by astronauts 50 years ago, and both the technology has moved on a lot since then, and the science has moved on a lot since then, and they've sort of come together to, to ask new questions about how the moon formed, and those sorts of answers reflect back on how we understand and interpret the same minerals, the same rocks, but on Earth, that has implications for how we monitor volcanoes. Uh, and then so we got some great data out of, of that beamline but there's things that we wanted to work on and things that we knew that we could improve upon so uh, rather than really pushing that beamline's data to the very limit we knew that uh, coming to someone like i12 we, we would be able to have a have a even greater quality in our data set the idea behind this this beam time was to compare uh, the textures and the chemistry in a particular mineral that's common to all these rocky bodies, but they form and evolve in different gravitational environments. Mm-hmm. So once you grow a crystal from a melt, uh, it, it has to go somewhere. Uh, if it's in zero gravity, it's not going to depart from more or less where it formed. Whereas on Earth, um, crystals settle, they float, they, they differentiate, and, and, they, uh, and that gives them uh, their own personal history, if you like, and what we're doing in volcanology at the moment is using the individual crystal histories and accumulating all these sort of subplots, if you like, and trying to work out that the overarching narrative of of how magma has moved through the Earth's crust and then out the top. And if we understand the dynamics of that, we can we can recreate, reconstruct, I should say, magma pathways in in a huge amount of detail. And that's just the kind of thing we need to predict future eruptions with, with greater sophistication.
2: So to try and understand this, you actually brought some rocks which were collected from the Moon during the Apollo missions to Diamond. Can you talk about what that experience was like?
0: The, the, the question everyone wanted to know was, OK, well, where, where are the bits of the Moon? And then you show them <laughs> in the palm of your hand, this small little black rock which is encased in resin in, in these cases. And then there's just sort of this moment where... The, bit underwhelmed oh oh okay it's it's just a rock well on one level it is it's just a rock it's just a rock like any other but the fact that it's four billion years old or thereabouts and has been picked up by astronauts from the surface of the moon and then flown back that's really yeah quite quite an amazing sense
2: moment Moment. yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i do have a a hilarious picture because during your experiment in september was actually during my first week here at I remember that, yes, that's it right. was. So yes. oh, I've got an amazing picture of me looking about like the giddiest, nerdiest, happiest I've ever looked <laughs> with this piece of the moon in my hand. And you know, which one of these pictures you're like, that is awful, but that's pure joy, and I'm keeping that because oh, it's good. such a such a moment of, you know, it's fe- yeah. well, it's the romance thing.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that's that's incredibly important. I mean, that's how people get inspired and, and
1: how imagination takes off. Yeah, I just thought I would try and explain something you were talking about a little while ago mm-hmm. with the rock. So when astronauts go up at the moment, they bring loads of experiments with them, right? They bring, like, seeds, animals sometimes, other types of yes. things. But it's quite hard to grow a rock, presumably. Technologically, right? it's more difficult. It you is. need a furnace and you need... Uh, oh, yes, you, well, you need a furnace, right. <laughs>
0: basically. But, yeah, in, in principle, it could be done. We could be, uh, we could be reproducing some of these textures and chemistries, if you like, okay. in space. In the absence of that, you're taking rocks, which were they're made pre-made. in space. They're pre-made, exactly. They're, they're, you, there's this natural laboratory, we call <laughs> the solar system, and if you've got the right bits of it, then, yeah, effectively all those experiments have, have already been done, and now you just need to analyse them. And the trick is getting them to Earth, and then getting yeah. them into something like the facility here at Diamond, and, and then uh on onwards from
1: there you've been on all these different beam lines and like you said you're coming to one or the one that you're about to start the experiment you're about to start where you, it's not necessarily your zone yeah <laughs> you don't yeah. have a lot of experience <laughs> in it what's something that you as a user like when you come maybe a role or something that's been super helpful at diamond that people might not necessarily think about if they just see the results yeah
0: yeah i i've I'm still staggered by the amount of bespoke coding and algorithm development that, that's done behind the scenes and it's taken me a little while to sort of dig in to see more about that because that is very much not my world. For, for instance, you know, I, I can be sitting there and and um someone like Nia though will will say, Okay, Matt, it's really simple, all you have to do is type this line of code and that will tell the script to do this and that and the other. Now two years ago when he, he yeah. I've known me for, for a while now, he was like okay, just I'm concentrate on the first bit, it's very simple, all I have to do is. You know, but <laughs> these are things that I hung on to. But bit by bit as I, I've become a bit more used and a bit more comfortable with, with scripting and coding languages and these kind of things, the, the, the appreciation has grown um, exponentially as I, as I've known more and more about it because It's, uh, it's so clever. It's so clever. Uh, And it makes things possible.
2: So if you want to know more about data science at Diamond, or learn more about this research in particular, visit our website, it's got all the information you need at www.diamond.ac.uk. And so now we'll switch back to Matt to hear a little bit more about how he got to be where he is now. So did you always think that you were going to, you know, grow up to live on Tenerife by a volcano and study <laughs> the moon? I mean... <laughs> uh,
0: not specifically, no. Um, I grew up in East Australia, um, and uh, like half... At least I hope the half the world's population fell in love with David Attenborough documentary, yeah. knew that I wanted to do something with nature in it. Mm. Um, went to university to do arts and science, and um, the science was going to be marine biology, and I was going to scuba dive around the Great Barrier Reef and be a marine biologist. Fantastic, great. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Huh? Well, I there's nothing wrong with the plan per se, but yeah, and then, well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I, I wandered into a uh, first year lecture. On how the Earth was formed and how we got to where we are today, and I was absolutely hooked. So within an hour, basically, you know, I had, a, I had to have a long think to myself. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I will be changing course a bit over this way, and yeah, you know, I still like animals and nature and all these sorts of things, of course. But actually, as a geoscientist, you you, you can travel around the world, and I've been really fortunate to go to some amazing places. Um, and and look at the landforms and look at the rocks and and there, there is sort of a, a richer I guess or a different different perspective on on normal everyday
1: life I guess yeah so uh, yeah finished up my degree you really didn't want to do degrees, geology so. before then wasn't you weren't a kid with I, I don't rocks. even know what geology was honestly
0: yeah I mean uh, geology wasn't offered at, at high school for example I I can't even remember we us doing any looking at rocks, <laughs> you know, that, look, look, these rocks are different. How about that? You know, mm. um, you know sort of first steps. I, that really was didn't occur for me uh, until university. Um, <laughs> and uh, after my honours degree, I went and worked for Rio Tinto Exploration, based from Perth, so I moved across the country, uh, which is effectively a continent, I guess. Yeah, um, it's a long way to move. Indeed, and uh, there's the Rio Tinto Group, which is a mining, international mining company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that operates mines uh, all around the world, uh, and exp- the exploration group is is, is a, a lot smaller. And what they do is is uh, uh, apply for uh, tenements, which are applications of, of land that you can go and look for the next mine. That, 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 that's, right. That okay. That's their basic business model: is to go and actually find them before before they get. You have to find them before you dig them up. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, less than a percent of all ideas will ever turn into a mine um so yeah what i was doing is is going around and effectively saying nope nothing here nope nothing here nope nothing here (laughs) let's go fishing Oh, nothing here. You know, this, this, this sort of thing. It, I mean, it, was, it wasn't all you know, beer and helicopters, and definitely not the same at the same time. But was it at some beer and like, helicopters? That, there, were, there, there were there cool was some a different <laughs> moments in time. Yeah, that's right. Um, in fact, there was there was one amazing opportunity I took, which was we just finished some uh, helicopter-assisted exploration in the Pilbara which is canyons and and uh, rocks that you can you can read like a barcode. It's amazing. It's this old it's this old sedimentary basin which is laid down flat and then right. in, in the intervening two and a half billion years it's all dried out and buckled under different forces and folded up and been incised and from the helicopter you can just say, Oh okay, well that rock over there goes with that one over there in a kilometres apart. It's amazing. <laughs> so we had done about a week of this. Um, and I, I had something like Maybe a six-hour wait for my commercial flight back from Parabadu, which <laughs> is in the south of the Pilbara region, back to Perth. Um, and the helicopter pilot said, "Oh, I have to de- deliver this helicopter to Karatha, and that's on the coast. It's about a three and a half-hour helicopter flight north. Why don't you change your flight and stay with me and keep me awake while I'm doing this?" Like, ah, that's fine, great. Yeah. So, <laughs> quick call to the Perth office and say, "Ah." Uh, I can spend three hours flying over the Pilbara from you know fifteen hundred meters or two k's or whatever. Yeah, it is that, that I can't remember where, how far, how high we'll fly. Um, and, and as a geologist, that, that's that's the primo view. I mean, it's pretty amazing from a from a you know, thirty thousand feet in an airliner to, to to look at the rocks below you. But from fifteen hundred meters or two k's above the surface, it's yeah, just astonishing. So if I was able to do this, and uh, I jumped in the front seat of the helicopter and. Sun was going down. There'd just been a cyclone, and the the, the there was water everywhere. Clear sky. Uh, it was just astonishing. Yeah. Um, so I had a fabulous time, but always knew that I wanted to do
1: research, and do yeah. a PhD, and, and, and become a, a fully fledged scientist, if you like. So after your adventures and you've moved back into academia, how did you finally make contact with Brian Ziegler at NASA? Uh, we
0: were both both giving talks back to at back at a conference about micro CT. And so we, we were put together because we were talking about rocks. Fine, oh, great. So he was coming at it from a curation perspective. You can take a digital snapshot of your rock and you don't have to touch it so much. You know, and you, you
1: have, if something <laughs> forbid, actually happens to the rock, you've got a digital copy. Mm, yeah. The, the, You're yeah. So just going to start going, take the model. Like, <laughs> right? It's all the, it's the same. So it's it. the one who hand the rock out The, the, people, the whole thing, right? press the hologram. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, but actually, I'm, so. <laughs> I'm
2: sure for some of these samples that are quite precious or special or different, you know, you don't really get to get bits of Mars every day. You don't get to get bits of the Moon every day. So Precisely. That's, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, and I mean, all, all the samples that we've we've had and I've I've been able to to handle and and analyze, they're they're ones that we know something about. We weren't we weren't going to use diamond blind, if you like. Yeah. Um, but it sets up the kind of studies that you know when when the next sample returns come back. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing we should do is, is use. Synchrotron energy. Yes. Yeah. You know, because it's non destructive, you get a really good idea of where the features might be, which means you can be a lot more targeted uh, about the science that you want to do. Yeah. Um, when the, the, they came back during the Apollo missions, it was a case of okay, we'll take photos of them from all perspectives um, and then. Uh, chop them in half. Yeah. All kind. <laughs> but of course, during that process, the, the, the sample loss was, was inevitable. Mm. Whereas maybe it doesn't have to be that way anymore.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd just ask as well. So, if people listen to this and they think that geology sounds like a cool thing to research and get involved with yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what how, how should they start out, I guess? I mean, not everybody can walk into university and do a degree right now, So no, maybe there's people who yeah. are interested in it, or where can they find out more about the research you've done as well? Like what's what's well, the best resources for people to look at, I suppose?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when I started, it, university in, was kind of the only way, but now there's huge amounts of really, really good resources online. In terms of petrology, I, I would direct people to the OU's uh, virtual microscope, so you can, oh. you can Google virtual microscope or open university microscope or something. Um, and they've taken huge amounts of, 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 of data and they've displayed it in a really nicely presented and user-friendly kind of way. And you can you can zoom around moon rocks, for example. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, and assist this digitization which really kind of bridges the gap between collections and, and people's shelves and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they rock garden, if you like. Um, here, here are my rocks. Now you're introduced to geology. Whereas now... Um, you can jump online and 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 browse these sorts of collections so that that that's a good sort of way to get in front of rocks Mm -hmm. i will preface well i will um, caveat all that with nothing's ever going to be going and actually taking a walk and having a look at some rocks and look at them close up too you they've even Mm -hmm. got to like almost touch your nose to see some of the things that that are are there because otherwise they just sort of look like gray or brown blobs and that's more or less what a lot of people think about them. I certainly did before getting to university. In terms of studying geology, uh, you can look at geological maps, but it's not until you go and look at the, the rocks themselves that, that it all starts making a bit more sense and, and being more, a bit more inspiring. And a lot of minerals are very pretty. There yes, is well. there
2: is that, that's always a bonus. There's you
0: know, lots of shiny, shiny minerals and colorful minerals. Well, they're all out there. Mm. Uh, you just need to go and go and look at them if you
1: can. So that was a really action-packed conversation and we hope you enjoyed listening to it.
2: So thanks again to Matt for being a great guest and bringing some really cool things to Diamond.
1: Yeah, come again.
2: We have another amazing guest coming next week though. So make sure you subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: And if you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, get in touch at podcast at diamond.ac.uk.
2: Thanks for listening.